0: Welcome to another unusual episode of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast, a podcast about board games, board games, and the people who love board games. I'm joined today by the one, the only, the Matthew Lees. Can I get a board games? Board games! Well, actually not board games, just just one board game this week. Yes, Matt, we're going to be talking about our incredibly early impressions of undaunted Stalingrad. We have been on holiday to Stalingrad. And my, it's chilly out yeah, there. Yeah, and mostly broken, mostly bad, kind of demolished bad and for your gone soul,
1: and messed up. Everyone's sad, but also it's, it's really quite fun because you're not actually in Stalingrad, you're just playing a game based on it, and yeah. you get to annoy the other player. Even if you're not winning, you get to annoy the other player. And at the end of the day, that's what games is all about. <laughs>
0: That's what games are really about for you, I think. You were, um, <laughs> you know, had a good time playing Undaunted Stalingrad, specifically because you got to annoy me, and not just within, you know, the one game we were playing. You sort of got to annoy me in the long term, consistent, which we'll talk about yeah. in a bit.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, And that's again, that's what campaign games are all about as well. Tickety box, tickety box, tick, tick, <laughs> tick. So yeah, we're very early with this one. We've just played a little bit of it. And we're going to give you a little early impressions cast of the first ever Undaunted kind of legacy campaign game thing
0: yeah should we start off i'll start off just talking about what undaunted is generally uh we've got a video review of the original undaunted normandy and we've had podcast coverage of undaunted north africa essentially what these games are is they're sort of like a mixture between a sort of skirmishy Troops on our map game, although not really, you only have a very limited number of troops and it's a very tight, small map, combined with a deck builder where each of the tokens on the board is represented by a card that you're going to have in your deck. And each round, you're going to draw a set of cards, playing them to use their abilities to move them around this map and take pot shots at the other player. The th- big, crunchy twist of Undaunted is that. As it is a deck builder, if a player shoots one of your soldiers and you have that card in, and they hit and you have that card in your hand, ping, it gets permanently removed from the game. And if you don't have it in your hand, you try and find it in your discard pile or your deck. And if you don't have any cards, that thing is gone, which is this lovely core hook of making every kind of card feel very precious and near and dear Dead. to you.
1: Yeah, and it's it's a wonderful feeling when you manage to take a punt and ping a card out of someone's hand. That is spectacular because it, if you went first, then it, it basically meant that you know, you've just literally knocked out one of their actions on their turn before they've even had a chance to do anything. No, that sniper <laughs> is going nowhere, it's going into the bin. And having that puzzle of like what to bolster up and what to leave as is, you know, should I be adding lots of cards for this squadron to my deck so I can make sure that A, I can keep activating them really frequently when I'm drawing up my hand, and B, they're less likely to die? But then also, if you're doing that, you're diluting the (laughs) amount of other troops available and what else is going to activate more frequently. So you're kind of betting the, the whole house, the whole horse and the pony on just this one unit, perhaps. <laughs> it's an immediately fabulous design. It's one of those fantastic games where I've played it for the first time not that long ago with you, Tom. And it's one of those games mm-hmm. where as soon as you're taught it, as soon as you start playing it, it's just immediately fabulous. There's no like slow burn. It's just like, this is great. What
0: a great idea. This mm. just sings. <laughs> it was one of the great tragedies of Shut Up and Sit Down that I think... All of the members of the team got to play the uh, various iterations of Undaunted before you. Possibly the biggest fan of deck building out of the whole team, <laughs> and this like unholy matrimony of deck building and and like dudes on a map game. It's like the perfect combo for you. Yes, and we all it played is. it, and, and you they hid it from me. And They I'm tried sorry. to hide it from
1: me <laughs> like a forbidden child. But I found it now and I'm breaking into Undaunted's (laughs) house, and I'm taking it home.
0: (laughs) I was going to say, actually, so we played a little bit of Undaunted Normandy, just me and you, because I was like, we've got other things we should cover, but I really need to show you like this game. I need to get this box in front of you because you'll love it. And we played like one or two games of that, and then we've gone straight into Undaunted Stalingrad and Mm -hmm. played a few games of that, which I think, Matt, you've entered a at the best, at the apex of Undaunted Stalingrad. This is like super early impressions just from a few games out of this like big, heavy, expensive box. But I think that maybe this is one of the most complete iterations of the sort of undaunted system. Yeah. Um, should we just dive straight into why? Why? Why, Thomas? Why? So the thing that's different about Undaunted Stalingrad on the sort of top line is it's this a game that's in this new sort of micro genre of sort of legacy light experiences, campaigns that have sort of elements of legacy games, like, you know, permanently removing cards or changing the terrain or doing something big and bombastic with the rules, but not destructively. You're never ripping up a card, you're just tucking it away into a little box. And on the top line of what Undaunted Starland offers is it has a sort of element of permanent destruction to your decks. So previously in Undaunted, Uh, a soldier gets shot. Oh no, they go in the bin for that game. In Undaunted Stalingrad, the thing that makes it kind of sing is that because you're part of this ongoing continuous campaign, when a troop gets shot out of your hand or deck or wherever and goes in the bin, that troop has a chance to die permanently. You never have access to that card ever again. And to offset this, you'll take cards from the reserves, Cards that are sort of wounded or battered troops that have come in to replace your sort of skilled trained soldiers, which means over the course of multiple games, you have, well, both players are going to have decks that get gradually more tattered, but also gradually more theirs because they sort of carry the weight of this campaign that you've been playing through.
1: And they've all got names. Each of these characters, (laughs)
0: whether they are...
1: A you know a fresh good troop or one of the slightly odd shaped reserves uh, have individual names and you will not know most of their names and that's fine because that's how it works <laughs> unfortunately you'll have a couple of favourites but the rest of them they'll just yep. die and you won't even remember who they were because that's war and. <laughs> yeah war what a lovely system I think like I dived into this in an interesting position because you'd already been playing the campaign with somebody else and I basically jumped in and was like well I, you know let's jump in and I'll carry on their campaign and then immediately I just proceeded to lose and lose and lose and lose and lose, and lose. so I mean <laughs> I think it's a really fun experience right like I, I I think like try it yourself like if someone else is in the middle of a campaign especially a head-to-head campaign yeah just the, the weight of like jumping into someone else's it's like gambling it's really really intense you feel like oh i gotta try and do better um but i found that whilst i was losing and losing and losing i was constantly having a ton of fun and i think that's partially because of the fact that like the core of undaunted is really really great and i had Mm -hmm. fun playing the original like normandy and losing but in this it's even better because the criteria of what you're trying to achieve you have that kind of like overarching meta game around the individual scenarios you've got like yes i want to try and win this scenario but also if i'm not going to then i'm really going to go ham hog for just shooting as many people as i possibly can because that's (laughs) going to mean that more of them will die and then you know the enemies. um Troops are just going to be getting worse as the game goes on. They're going to have fewer cards to pick from, or the cards they're going to have to pick from are going to have fewer abilities, getting things crossed off. So it's like, well, that person can't do that anymore, actually. Um, Especially as, you know, you're also going to be getting these troops upgraded as you play through the game. You're going to have, like, you know, a couple of people after each mission maybe getting a little uh, shiny badge and a new ability and some better stats. And the problem is that these reserves can't get promotions, right? It's only the kind of the people who haven't been harrowed by the realities of war so the more that you can be just generally pinging off their army and softening them all up you're just lowering the cap (laughs) of quality in a quite substantial way over a number of games
0: yeah there was a a really good moment in one of our games where i was sort of on not on the cusp of winning but i could see there was a way that i could sort of pivot to, to, to sort of securing a win but it would involve putting all of my troops in a really dangerous position and i did win that scenario i just scraped by but it was such a you have won but at what cost <laughs> moment because exactly i just remember sitting like in Yeah, like in a sort of bombed out car park as Matt just absolutely went to town on these poor guys. But if they held it for that round, we would win the scenario.
1: Yeah, and it was super because it meant that at the end of it, it's like, yeah, you won the scenario. But how many people did I get shot that round? Two. How many people do you get shot? It's like eight. So it's like, right. So I think I lose one maybe and you lose like two or three people. Um, Yeah. Across a campaign of how many games? That doesn't seem good.
0: Yeah, quite a lot. There's something, so there's a thing that you have, you have these two sort of scenario books that show you the sort of potential breadth of the sort of branching narrative the game offers. And this is something that I think is just boggling from a design perspective. Essentially, when you start the game, you'll both be playing mission one, mission one, you'll just be playing mission one. Depending on who wins, the Russians or the Germans, you'll go to scenario two, A or B, but then that scenario can branch outwards further into three, a, B, C and D and so on and so forth and it's sort of these choices fan out over the course of a campaign where you can go down all these different alternative histories depending on exactly what happens in each game and who wins and who loses and then on top of that sort of quite prescribed sort of narrative so to speak because you have these things are definitely going to happen you also have these internal narratives that you kind of come up with during a game where you have these you know very important troops dying or as something that i thought was really special in our game some of those troops really like proving their value so Matt's deck had this one scout who had an incredibly high initiative value, which is a sort of very crucial mechanic in Undaunted where you bid for initiative at the start of a round. And I hated that card. I loathed it. Because he just kept turning up. Yeah, it keeps turning up. But then I realized maybe I should just go, like, because I knew it was a scout, Maybe I should just gun for that scout squad as yeah. hard as possible in this game so I know that specifically that card is out of the game. Yeah, you've got so you can increase the chance of just killing
1: that man specifically which is lovely right <laughs> to have a kind it's of definitely not lovely well I mean <laughs> it, not 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 thematically no not contextually no but uh, in terms of the mechanics it's incredibly lovely yeah. of having having a war game where you can specifically not be like well we need to take out these tanks we need to do this but like no I want to kill that specific man there's a man over there because you joke <laughs> about that stuff when you're playing a big war game sometimes you're like you know you kind of have a character that keeps scoring a lucky hit and you just think oh okay, this yeah. guy is somehow Magic Kevin or whatever. And uh, To actually have that kind of baked into the the game's design that you can actually be like, you know, I don't like that, that person who got a medal so much that I'm going to specifically try to eradicate them and only them. <laughs> like, you know, you can increase your odds of that happening quite substantially if you really want to, if you feel like that's going to be your objective for the mission. And I think that there's like, there's just enough in that alone in a way that, the rest of it, like, it doesn't need to be super rich and deep in terms of the, the sprawling tree of missions, et cetera. It seemed to me, and I've mm. played a lot less of this, you've played a whole lot more, but was still, you know, ongoing in terms of review stuff. But it seemed that the, the campaign you went through was going to introduce different troops and different things at different times where it would be like, right, now bring up yep. this type of unit from the box, and now you just have access to them For the rest of the campaign and it felt to me that Mm -hmm. was maybe going to be one of the defining things in terms of the shape of the campaign in terms of the differences because if unless you're not into the, if you're into the history of it then maybe it's really interesting or maybe it's not that accurate Mm. i don't know i can't comment i haven't looked into it i don't have a clue but To be blunt, from my perspective, it was like, and now we are going to do a level where there is tanks. And now we are going to do a level where we have to go and get in this building. You know, it was like Memoir (laughs) 44 style of being like, I guess there's a river this time. That's the story. Uh, (laughs) Which I'm sure if you're an enthusiast of war games, you probably find horrifying. But from my perspective as somebody who just likes war games, that's kind of how I look at it.
0: Yeah, there's a thing that I think because we sort of played this slightly strange, Matt gets dropped right in the middle of a campaign... I haven't had the the full sort of full-blooded experience of playing through this whole game and doing the thing that they kind of want you to do, which is you have these individual scenario books where before each one of these levels, you read a little bit of like, not flavor text, actually, like kind of a, a, you know, a short story about what's going on at that time within your sort of within your, your camp, your side of the battle. And there's, I initially started reading these. I found them quite interesting, but then obviously, because I'm playing the game with different people, showing different people the thing, really tattering up this quite pure two player campaign with all these other people, um, I haven't really stuck to reading all of that stuff. But there's something very sweet about the fact that there are locations on the board. You know, there's someone's house or like a certain square or something that mean different things to different sides. You never get to look in your opponent's book. So there's this nice twist of like different things in the narrative being important to different people on any given scenario. Mm. It's not something that I found was massively important. I'm much more suckered into the game side of this and the sort of player driven narrative aspects than the actual like overarching narrative they're sort of putting on with these scenario books. But it's a lovely touch if you're really into that kind of stuff. And I think playing it two players and, and seeing that whole narrative evolve could be really quite rewarding. I think
1: that also I really enjoyed the simple trick of just both players getting their own book, you know? Yeah. You both get your own little yeah. book, which has details about your stuff and some had rules for both players as well. Was it two little rule books? I cannot remember. No, just there's one central rule. There's book. only one rule book. But yeah, just, just getting a little book. Just being like, this is my little uh, Russian book. That's your little Nazi book. You're not allowed to look in my book. (laughs) Ha, ha, ha. Um, It's a treat. It's a treat. Even if there's nothing particularly salacious or interesting in there, it just feels like you've got secrets, which is great, great fun. I I really enjoyed as well the fact that, you know, the the different uh, tiles that you were playing on these missions were just like this made up this one big map of Stalingrad. and The the idea that, like, you know, you were just moving around and each time you were building, like, a snapshot of part of this bigger map and sometimes you'd be like oh we're back over here and there were two things about that that i really liked first of all it meant that setting up the levels setting up the missions wasn't that hard because you didn't have to just hodgepodge together a random selection of things it was like you know it was a basically <laughs> not quite a grid but basically a grid you know of being like well it's this mm. number then this number very easy to just quickly rapidly set up a level uh, but also yeah. yeah the fact that you had much like the units that could get ragged around the edge or replaced by injured people, um, you would be able to uh, bomb buildings and destroy things and actually permanently change infrastructure on the board so that that tile would go yep. into its own little graveyard section and you would replace it with a broken version that would have like, you know, mm-hmm. poorer uh, poorer reinforcements, not reinforcements. Uh, what's the flipping word? I um, mean, it's it's very warm in the UK today. Defences.
0: Yeah, I think this is going to be a new tilt to the next few podcasts. Is going to be us going slightly loopy as the heat gets turned yeah. up gradually on us. Please and we, and we remember. Boil
1: people who do not live in the UK and look at the numbers on our temperatures and go, it's not that warm, that we do not have air conditioning (laughs) and our country is made out of bricks. We are living in a big pizza (laughs) oven, basically, but we haven't got enough marinara sauce to make it worth our while. (laughs) To make it fun. To make it fun or tomatoey, or delicious. There's no umami in our hell, okay? So just, just give us a break and we'll try to be
0: good. I like that brief weather aside. We should have that in every podcast.
1: So we are gradually uh, destroying a city partially sometimes for tactical reasons. We are uh, shooting at each other with weapons repeatedly with the hope of, of of getting rid of specific characters that we don't like, or just with the hope of just having the other team being weaker as they go. And I mean, what else builds up the, the early shape of this? I must say the one thing I'll mention that I really did enjoy was actually less about the personalization element of it. And, I, I you know, it's funny you're talking about the... Um, the significance of different spaces on the board perhaps having mm. a different significance to both players because i didn't look into those books enough to really work out whether or not that was something that would have affected me but <laughs> i did find that the, the the map like tiles were a little perhaps drab and similar and i'm sure that that's probably to yes. give it a, a sense of realism because i i bet that a an suitably awful lot,
0: stalingrad yeah, vibe
1: i bet that a lot of stalingrad at this time was was pretty drab and similar so fair enough but i i didn't felt feel the character of moving around between places i didn't i didn't get the sense of us being in one place even though i knew that yeah, technically yeah. that was true right. and i also you know i didn't get that attached to any of the individual characters but again I did jump in in the middle as a passenger of the game so it's not really a fair assessment (laughs) But I did really enjoy the way that it affected the shape of your platoons the shape of your groups right because it meant that then Mm. you had this situation where at the setup of a map a scenario you'd be like okay squadron A is gonna be here squadron B is gonna be here and often these were set up in really interesting ways so you're like right well squadron B is right at the front line already squadron A right at the back so you kind of think I'm gonna have to push in with squadron B but it might be that your squadron B is really strong but it might also be that your squadron B is really weak and wobbly and on its last legs and that I found really fascinating of being like oh, I really don't want to have to rely on this squadron of people. Like, my engineer uh, group was amazing. I had all these crack engineers who were just turning up and blowing up tanks and destroying buildings like it was absolutely <laughs> the easiest thing they'd ever done in their life. But you expected me to, to get turn up with some soldiers and some rifles, and it was like, oh, I'm in a lot of trouble. I don't want to do that. Um, <laughs> and having that back and forth, of having that understanding of the other army's weaknesses, um, I thought was really quite fabulous and really added a wrinkle to things yeah. that I
0: liked a lot. And there's also something really nice about at the start of the game, you'll build your what they refer to as your baseline deck, which is basically one of all of the basic cards that are currently present on the map. One Rifleman and one Scout or whatever you might have. But you do get to choose which of those cards enters your deck. So like you say, if your squad B is right up against the enemy front line and they're probably going to take some pretty heavy fire do you want to put your best guy in that squad? Because he Mm. might just get shot. Or do you want to try and retreat and keep it all safe? Like there's a really nice, just having those cards that mean a lot to you because they're upgraded or because they're wounded or because they're the only one of that kind that you have left completely changes how combat feels in this game, how much impact it has when someone makes that sort of that decision that is critical to Undaunted, which is, I'm going to shoot your unit, I'm probably going to hit, and I'm hoping you have it in your hand. The 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 level of like, oh god, you can feel when someone takes a crucial card out of your hand at a crucial moment. I just think that legacy aspect, or, or the legacy-like campaign aspect, supports that core of Undaunted so well. It's such a good marrying of, of what was already there. In terms of the theme, with sort of this new element, it, it's, it's really, really the, It's one sort of the the, um, the best marriages I've uh, I've ever been a part of. This is going to be quite a short podcast, I think, really, because I think it's just us saying, undaunted. Stalingrad is really rather good, and we can't get too into what's in this box because there are some little surprises and stuff that people won't want spoiled down mm-hmm. the line. There's certainly some like there was a cool little twists that happened in one of our scenarios that kind of permanently altered both of our decks in a way that's really interesting Mm. there are a few new mechanics that are brought in from sort of other undaunted boxes but i just think like there's this bottom line that i get from this which is like it's the most it feels like a very definitive version of the undaunted system where rather than sort of tweaking and changing the core of the game and 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 sort of making it into this unrecognizable thing it's just sort of pasta machine extruding every impulse of the base game and turning it into this sort of rich experience of a thing turning it into rich tagliatelle.
1: yeah it's <laughs> I, I agree i think it doesn't you know it doesn't feel like it relies on any gimmicks at all uh, which i think initially made me feel like my first impressions of it were maybe a little flat in a way because i was like you know sure Where's the pizzazz? Where's the Kapow? Where's the big surprise? But actually, it's like, nah, it's just really solid, just a really solid campaign game. <laughs> uh, and that's yeah. enough. I mean, you can't be understated enough how wonderful that core mechanic of taking a shot, hitting a shot, and if they've got it in their hand, it pings into the graveyard. It is just, it's, yep. it, it, abuse the game with a wonderful poker face system basically so you know of having that and you know we talked about having to bid as well having to bid to go first and not knowing if the other player is going to be like trying to Mm. really go high with their bid and i mean sometimes you're wasting like a tremendously powerful card and then they go slightly higher than you and you just wasted that card you can't spend that and they're still going first but on the times when you think you know what screw it i could really use with using this very powerful card, but I need to go first because you've just got that, there's a twinkle in the other player's eye, and you think that this is the turn, isn't it? <laughs> this is the turn where they've just drawn all of those machine gunner cards and they are going to absolutely <laughs> shred my medics. And you know, and you go first and you get the sniper and you shoot the machine gunner and they don't have any in their hand. And you're like, what have you got in your hand then? And you shoot someone else and they haven't got their in hand. And you're like, oh no, what have they got in their hand? <laughs> it is. It's just super. It's a really, really yeah, beautiful design. And uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm excited to play more of this game because it is, it is hot. I mean, even the thing that I loved was when I had one mission where because I was fed up with losing, mildly fed up with losing and thought, oh, come on, I just want to get one little win for the Russians. I just sent in quite a <laughs> lot of my best people. Basically. I just sent in a lot yep. of people who'd had upgrades who were like promotions and stuff. And then I sent in a few people who didn't have promotions, but then unluckily they were the ones that got killed. And so at the end of it, it's like, right, now yeah. I can promote some troops. I didn't have any troops to promote because all of the people I'd sent <laughs> in were too experienced already. And it's like, ah yeah, okay. And that yep. reminded me of uh, XCOM. And so yeah, I just say, Finally, <laughs> yeah if you're gonna make another undaunted game, then i would suggest undaunted xcom or undaunted fire emblem those are my two suggestions i will not be taking any further questions at this time but if if ever a licensed game is a match made in heaven then i think that yeah. uh, undaunted xcom it just like it just works as a campaign thing i would i, I would just i works. would sell
0: out for undaunted xcom i would shill for it so hard if oh, someone yeah. made undaunted xcom goodness that would be incredible
1: it just that would works. Be so good. It just, just changed some of the Would someone play as the aliens? Changed some of the pictures. Of course they play as the aliens, Tom. Of course they would. Oh, that sounds so good. Just, I mean, I'm playing it in my mind right now. And I tell you what, <laughs> it's great. It's really good, Tom. It's so good. I can't believe how good it is, actually. I'm having so much fun. It really is so oh, hot I in this have, country. I
0: have fun too.
1: <laughs> you can have fun too in your own imagination. Just close all the windows, turn the radiators on, and let that mind
0: rip. Matt just left a really good opportunity for a sting so I had to put one in, but I also have one final thing to say about Undaunted Stalingrad that's like the little miniature buyer's guide, we're in the boring zone, the practical zone, which is should you get Undaunted Stalingrad when it's out, when it's available, when it's on the shelves, and the answer is I don't know because we're playing a, a, a an early copy, although I do think that it is, you know, completely feature complete at this point. But there's this interesting value proposition when it comes to this is probably going to be a much more expensive game. It is a much bigger game. It is a very different experience to Undaunted Normandy. What I will say is that there have been lots of Undaunted Boxes. There's Normandy, there's North Africa, and there's reinforcements. Um, and I think that I would still say that Undaunted Normandy is the place to start with this system so you can find a buddy who's going to get real excited about this particular game yeah. and want to play it repeatedly. You're going to need Undaunted obviously only really exists in that campaign space, so you need to know that someone is going to be suckered in by the system. If you have a good inkling that someone you know like Matt, for example, is going to really enjoy that sensation of pinging a card right out of someone's hand, loves a bit of deck building, then this is like the the best version of the game for my money, at least at the moment. Um, but I still think that Normandy is just such a, such a pure, simple, good place to start. And it's a cheaper box, so you can show it to lots of people. Oh, it's solid. Um, it's solid. I should also mention, just while we're on the Undaunted podcast, because I've sort of been talking about Undaunted a lot recently, just because I love it so much. Um, I have played Undaunted Reinforcements, which is the one that makes it four players, I wanna play that a bit more, but I think I need to find the people because last time I played it, I was in a pub and it was also really, really warm in the pub, and I just got so sweaty trying to teach it to like three people who'd never played the game before. Oh absolute gosh. nightmare. Oh, that's a horrible Yeah, image. it was a real horror show. I'm
1: gonna go back to playing XCOM undaunted in my mind.
0: <laughs> so much more balmy
1: and cool. In, in your image, your mental image, just make me feel very uncomfortable. I, I always feel like I'm sweating vicariously. Oh,
0: it's horrible. Yeah, it's I'm, horrible. Actually, I'm actually like, it is warm and I had to close my window so that we didn't have like building noise during this podcast. But I am actually sort of really starting to feel that I'm sweating now. Mm. Maybe particularly because that image is triggering a sort of latent anxiety of how yeah. how badly I balked that teach of undaunted normal.
1: And also, you know, podcasting is a very physical experience uh, medium you know it's you do you you really do build up quite the sweat with all of the gesticulating and emphasizing things i'm personally recording now with all of my limbs spreading off in different directions to ensure that there's no way any of my skin can touch any of my other skin it's incredibly uncomfortable but it's the only way i can uh keep doing this and that's the sort of you know professionalism and care and love that we put into all of the work we do including this snappy little podcast and on that delicious segue <laughs> i'm gonna now briefly mention the fact that hey <laughs> did you know that shut up and sit down is almost entirely funded by donations from people who love it we don't mention it very often twice a year we just say hey did you know that this is the case if you did not know this is the case and you have some money and you have expendable money and you want to give us some then hey you can give us some money if the idea seems incredibly stressful and you're stretched right now and having a tough time That's fine. We get it. Don't worry about it. Just keep listening to our things and watching our things. We really appreciate it. But if you have got some cash knocking around and you love what we do and you want to see it continue and grow, then you can do so by going to shutupandsitdown.com forward slash donate. Or because people kept asking for it and we do listen to people, you can get a patreon.com forward slash shut up and sit down. We're on Patreon now. You can patronise us on there and either way you will get access to the lovely monthly (laughs) newsletter which we've kind of jazzed up a little bit in the past six months i'm really happy
0: with the new direction do you like it tom i like it I like I like it a lot. We've replaced what we used to do was we sort of had a little, you know, rambly chat about what everyone has sort of been up to in a sort of big cluster of 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 chat. But now they're a little bit more pointed, a little bit more focused. We kind of have a thematic concern that will drive each of the newsletters. This sounds like I'm bigging it up. It's a just a very slight concern format concern
1: that will drive us. It's like you'd sound like you're pitching the new Lord of the Rings. I mean, it's it's exciting <laughs> and I like the idea of it. Basically, each month somebody from the team is going to write something about whatever they want they're just going to talk about something they're passionate about and sometimes it's going to be to do with what we've been doing at work other times it might be something entirely else i mean like tom wrote a lot about netrunner because he had thoughts still spilling out of his brain about netrunner i recently talked about the rebranding mm. we did which sounds quite boring and maybe it is but i don't know i just talked about shapes and colors for a bit and oh gosh they're quite hard aren't they and shared some screen grabs of some of yep. the terrible versions of artwork i some made real along pairs. the way some really horrible stuff yep. um and then we just talk about <laughs> what we're doing what we've been playing what films and tv and books we recommend and uh yeah stuff like that but mainly you just get the warm fuzzy feeling knowing that you support a thing that you like and it continues to exist because you made it that way um i can only speak personally but i'm really proud of what we've been doing over the past year i feel like we've got some we've been working very hard we've been very busy but i feel like we're, we're about to start churning out some really good quality stuff and we are we are right now and i feel really happy about the future so if you want to encourage us yep. and speak that along then hey uh you can help us do that by just chucking us a couple of dollars or quids or any
0: other currency
1: yeah and that's the end of the shut up sit down podcast and it's the end of that biannual plug thank you very much for listening to the podcast and uh
0: yeah tom have you got
1: anything you want to say before you before you leave this uh podcast mortal
0: realm i've got nothing i want to say i'm already on the way to the sink to fill up a big glass of water and tip it over my head I'm already standing in the shower so I completely sympathize with that
1: and uh, yeah we'll see you next week for more of the Shut Up and Sit Down podcast thank you so much for listening goodbye bye